And welcome to your Friday and to a brand new year. Welcome to the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. It's great to be with you. And some of you may have thought that I would never finish the book, but I have indeed yes, you have. finished <laughs> the book, Jane Eyre. And so we are here for the Jane Eyre episode of the Speaking For Him book club. We will be reviewing the book, and I have my uh, good friend Naomi Van Harn in the studio with us to contribute to this discussion. Welcome to the show again, Naomi. Thanks for having me. Well, um, I thought that a good way to begin this podcast would be to uh, look at what Sparks Notes had to say by way of summary about this book. And then we'll get into the discussion. Sparks Notes said this. Audiobiographical elements are recognizable throughout Jane Eyre's experience at Lowood School when her dearest friend dies of tuberculosis. This recalls the death of Charlotte's sisters at Corwin Bridge. The hypocritical religious fervor of the headmaster, Mr. Brocklehurst, is based in part on that of the Reverend Kyrus Wilson, the evangelical minister who ran Cowan Bridge. Charlotte took revenge upon the school that treated her so poorly by using it as the basis for the fictional Lowood. Jane's friend Helen Burns' tragic death from tuberculosis recalls the death of two of Charlotte's sisters, Maria and Elizabeth, who succumbed to the same disease during their time at Cowan Bridge. Additionally, John Reed's decline into alcoholism and dissolution is most likely modeled upon the life of Charlotte Bronte's brother, Branwell, who slid into opium and alcohol addictions in the years preceding his death. Finally, like Charlotte, Jane becomes a governess, a neutral vantage point from which to observe and describe the oppressive social ideals and practices of 19th century Victorian society, and that was the Spark Notes um, summary of the book. So now we're just going to get into some overall impressions of the novel. We'll start with Naomi, and then I will give my uh, my overall view, view of this book. All right. Um, one of the questions you had posted was, "Who is your favorite character besides Jane?" And I wrote Miss Temple. Uh, I feel like she is a darkness, um, she's a light in the darkness of Lowood, sorry. And she truly cares for the students. She stands up for them against Mr. Brocklehurst. And um, without her, I think that Lowood would seem even more like a poorhouse of that time. Um, some of the descriptions of the way they have to live is pretty awful. And she tries to offer relief as best she can. It is, and it, it's also kind of interesting that um, to get into some of my thoughts about the overall uh, of this book. First of all, it's been a long time since I read a book that long, <laughs> <laughs> and I think yeah. I've I've gotten a little too used to the modern way of writing a novel. I've heard that the modern adult novel is written at the fourth or fifth grade reading level, and mm -hmm. I believe it. Mm -hmm. Because the reading that you do when you read a book like Jane Eyre and the reading that you do when you read the latest John Grisham are 
two totally different things. Even though it was a very interesting book, I found myself reading five or six pages and feeling like I read 30. Yeah, the grammar. <laughs> the grammar is incredible. And um, the dialogue. Um, it, funny, funny aside is that because it was a classic and because they're a little harder to read, I decided to order from the library a large print edition. And so I ordered a large print edition and I, I took six weeks and I was reading it and I was only about 250 pages in. So I took it back and I re-requested a large print edition and I got even a larger print edition, (laughs) which made it very difficult in the sense that I couldn't take it with me when I went on car trips or anything. (laughs) Because I could barely hold the thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think all told it was 777 pages. Wow. wow. But the, the, the detail, the attention to detail that uh, this book, that, this, um, that Charlotte Bronte has in this book is amazing. And it's kind of interesting, the biographical implications too. Uh, because one of the common things in modern novels is how they'll say, any resemblance to people living or dead is purely coincidental, you know, and that's what they have to say in every book, basically, so they don't get sued. Right. <laughs> However, <laughs> most uh, novelists, I think, will tell you that the the books come from what they know, and so they're going to draw inspiration from people that that they are very familiar with, and so it's interesting to hear some of the biographical uh, stuff, and I think. Uh, there's a lot of redemption in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of working through life issues and overcoming life issues. And that's why I really like it. So we'll get into that a little bit more as we go through these questions. But I would definitely highly recommend this book. And I think this whole experience of reading this classic book has told me that I need to ratchet up my reading level quite a bit. Right. So, <laughs> set the bar up a little more. Um, well, uh, I asked this question, and Naomi's already answering it. What's What's your favorite character besides Jane Eyre? Because that would be the easy answer. Because she is the her- heroine, and definitely is presented as such. Um, I think that I really like um, the sisters of Saint John. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like them. They Um, became really good friends of Jane Eyre and after they were uh, found out to be her family even more so so I thought they were some of my favorites and I just thought that they the the trio that they became they really understood each other and encouraged each other's strengths and uh, I really liked that yeah and they became the sisters that she didn't have and desired Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, she was an only child, so she didn't have relatives or family. And then all of a sudden she finds out that, that she is indeed related to them. Um, so that was a really good revelation. Um, who is your least favorite? Now, I'll start with this one and then I'll <laughs> toss it over to Naomi. But one of the things that I thought of is, for a little while there, Rochester is like because you don't know what to make of him. He's very cold, um, very calculated, and he seems to be 
kind of a womanizer, and so you really don't uh, really like him all that much. But by the by the end of the book, he does become one of the heroes when you realize all that he's gone through. So I actually he actually did become a favorite. Um, I definitely didn't like the the schoolmaster, Mister Brocklehurst, and it's because he really epitomized um, appearing to do the right thing while uh, being a hypocrite, while doing it for the wrong reasons. He was very much like the Pharisees of the Bible mm-hmm. who thought they were doing the right thing because they were following the letter, but the spirit wasn't there. Uh, he was supposed to be in charge of the school, but he didn't care one iota for the girls. And uh, he thought he knew what was best for them. and It was all rules and regulations and no love, and it was kind of the the juxtaposition between law and grace yeah. that we see in the Bible. Mm-hmm. The law is important, but uh, but it needs to be understood in the context of the grace of God. Did you have any additional thoughts? Um, yes, my least favorite was John Reed. Um, I think he thinks only of himself. Uh, we never see him care for the feelings, not even his own mother. Um, and he destroys his life and those around him while he's destroying his life with the uh, alcohol. And we often see this character in a lot of the Bront sisters' writings, which shows what an effect the, their, the life of their brother had on them. I think that, um, that it really hurt the girls to see him go that, that route of alcohol and drugs. So, well, he's, it's kind yeah. of interesting because from the very beginning, he's living a life of privilege and, He's not called to account for any of his actions. When he gets into a fight with Jane, it's all Jane's fault. Right. Uh, Even though um, there's a certain degree, you know, like my dad would always tell us, you never hit a girl. So he would always, no matter who instigated it, if we got in a fight with one of our sisters and we hit her, (laughs) uh, there was major consequences to be doled out even more so than if it was if it was our brother because because if it's your brother not that it's right but there's a certain measure to which they can take it like a man because they are a man right but if it's a you know my dad really stressed to us that um god talks about women being the weaker vessel and so they need to be treated with respect and honor and so he really bore that out for us in our childhood. And I, I just think um, uh, John's mother was was asking for trouble when yes. she raised him that way. Mm-hmm. And I think we see a lot of kids like that today, actually, mm-hmm. where they haven't been given the rearing and the child raising that they should be given. And then we wonder about the results. Well, some of us wonder, some of us (laughs) who've spent time in the scriptures kind of understand what has happened because there is a real cause and effect in the world. Yes. We, we kind of answered this because the next question I had on my list is what did you think of Mr. Brocklehurst? And just to reiterate, you know, people thought highly of him because he was a, he was a minister and he was supposedly ministering. But he didn't have a connection with people. And I think there's an interesting thing that happens with certain people. Uh, 
if I could digress just slightly, I there was one time or there was a period of time when I was doing training classes for people that were coming into work at Home Network with people with disabilities. And my uncle had me talk to them about what it was like to have a disability. And I told them, if you're not here to work with the people and to love these people, then you're probably in the wrong line of work. Because um, these people with disabilities will spend the majority of their time with you. And they need more than just people that come in and do their job. They need people that care about them. And I think you kind of see the 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 and the opposite of Mr. Brugglehurst and Miss Temple, right. who took the time for Jane, believed Jane when she had talked about how she'd been mistreated, and then helped her to gain a uh, respect of those around her. So, and did you have any? I I kind of mentioned this. But did you have any thoughts on Mr. Rochester? Um, I think watching the movie growing up over and over and over again, um, I, I already liked him because I don't. I think that um, I felt sorry for him in the beginning because he seems very lonely, and um, like you said, you know, he comes off as gruff and cold, and um, but. I think that I liked his witty banter with Jane. I liked how he went back and forth with her. And um, so I, I liked him. I felt more sorry for him that he was, he seemed unhappy. It came across to me that way. Now, I purposely have not watched um, any of the movies yet because I was waiting until this podcast had been recorded. So I, I do plan on watching a couple of them. One interesting thing is that um, for for him, like I said, you know, you do grow to like him, but that kind of leads me to my next question, and that is, and this might be a little hard to answer, but mm-hmm. we'll do our best. If you were <laughs> if you were hearing this story for the first time, would you be surprised by Rochester's proposal? And again, it's really hard because reading it, I had seen the play, so I knew the basic story. So I knew he was going to ask her um, to marry uh, her, him, and I knew for reasons that we'll get into in a few minutes that he wasn't going to be able to, at least at first. But f- looking back at the book itself and the text, did it, would it have surprised you based on how... Charlotte wrote the proposal and the build-up to it? Yes and no. Um, I feel that he's kind of trying to feel um, Jane out and see where her heart is toward him. So I think that that's kind of why he, in a way, is like making her jealous and then where she basically proposes to him, you mm-hmm. know? So And it would be an interesting twist, Um it is an interesting twist to a proposal. Yeah, it is. Because um, for, the, for the most part, I was really surprised by it, or, or I would have been had I not known. So I tried to separate myself from that knowledge when I was reading it. But one interesting thing was, I, I, it was pointed out to me as I was doing some study for this when I was looking at sparksnotes.com, 
that apparently there was a time at one of his uh, evenings when he was um, talking to Jane and he he talks to her and he almost calls her my love. And I didn't realize that until I went back and, and read these Sparks notes that he stopped in the middle of a sentence because he was about to address her with the term of endearment and he wasn't ready to do so. So I thought that was interesting. I think one of the things is that he finally found somebody that's his equal. Mm-hmm. You know, because every time he tries to best her, she has an adequate response to what he says. And I think for some people, you know, that can be difficult to find that person that you fit with. And so I thought that was um, really interesting. Okay. Did you have anything that I haven't mentioned that you wanted to throw throw out before I go any further? Nope, I'm I'm good. <laughs> All right, just checking. All right, so the next question I had was, what did you think of St. John's character? And it's actually, I guess, pronounced Sinjin. Mm-hmm. So let's get your take first. Um, I feel like he's a somewhat difficult character, but as I was reading, I felt like he was so focused and passionate about going to the mission field that that's why he kind of comes off to me as kind of cold um, and distant. But he's very loving and kind to his sisters, and he's very good to Jane. Um, he truly tries to help her. So, I thought this was an interesting thing um, because when I saw the play, um, I thought uh, when he proposed to Jane, I thought that his whole thing was, I don't really, I'm not really in love with you now, but if we get married, then it's possible that we, you know, possible that we would fall in love and we could live happily and serve the Lord happily. And so that's, that's the take I had from it. So I kind of felt bad for him when she turned her back on him and went away and then went to, uh, went, ended up going back to Rochester, which I guess is the storybook ending that everybody was waiting for. So, but but when I read the book, I actually have to say that I came pretty close to hating this guy. Oh, what? <laughs> I, I thought that he was pretty cold and callous. And it was weird because he had a girl that he was passionate about, that mm-hmm. he cared about. But it was almost like he thought that was wrong to have a passion for another human being. So he had to find someone that he could be with who he wasn't passionate about. <laughs> In order for it to be godly. Mm -hmm. And one of the messages that I take from that is so many times we get that idea that if you're enjoying doing something, it might not be God's will for you. But I always remind people God created you with certain interests, certain aptitudes, and he's going to allow you to do things within those sphere of interests and abilities that will glorify him. Right. That's what's so exciting about being here um, on this podcast and being able to do this every week is because I know that I have a great interest and aptitude for doing radio work. And there was a lot of time when I thought that door was going to be totally closed, but God opened it again. And I think we need to be very careful that we follow God's will and not our own will. But we also have to be very careful that we 
don't say, oh, I'm interested in this, so it must not be God's will. Right. Because God's will should hurt. Right. I think that can be a dangerous uh, philosophy. Um, I know you haven't been able to say much on the book discussion, but on this particular point that I just mentioned, do you have any thoughts, Adam? Uh, I think that's very relevant. I think a lot of times we think, oh, if I'm not suffering greatly or I'm not, you know, feels like I'm not carrying my cross, I must not be doing what God's asking me to do. And sometimes we may even think joy can become a thing of responsibility a little bit. Like, right. oh, I'm not doing my Christian duties. But I know in my own faith I'm learning that too, that, you know, when things are good, don't say, what did I do wrong? Right. Or why aren't I suffering or something? Right. It's, oh, God has blessed me this or blessed me mm -hmm. with this. And like mm -hmm. you said, with talents. So, and I think you hit the nail on the head by saying, you know, make sure that you're not just always saying, well, this is what I want to do all the time, my will. You know, make sure that your your heart is open. That's what it comes down to, keeping your heart open. Right. But enjoying what you're doing. If you're doing something right now and, you know, God's allowing you to do it, then it must be part of his will for that moment. So I think that's a great point. All right. Well, I just have a couple more questions to wrap up this discussion. And some of them kind of go along with the whole Sinjin storyline. Um, Naomi already said, you know, that, that his re his response to Jane was fairly good. And it was at some points, but like the thing that bothered me the most is that he, he never got beyond an intellectual appreciation of her. Right. Um, and he, he just felt like he could command her to do, you know, whatever he wanted her to. And the worst part to me was he made it seem like she was leaving the faith if she chose not to marry him and go with him to, I forget where. What, India. India, okay. Mm -hmm. To go with him to India. And she even said, I'll go with you as your companion and your friend, but I won't go as your wife. And he said, that's that's not good enough. So <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That was an uncomfortable though, conversation, I'm sure. Even yeah. though he said that he didn't love her, which to me just blew my mind. Did you have any further thoughts about that? Um, yeah, just a little bit more on that. I felt like he, I feel like Jane feels that he smothers her, that she can't be herself because she talks about that she would want to be bubbly or animated and he would disapprove and so she would stop. But when she goes back to Rochester, she talks about how she can be herself with him and how he brings out the best in her. And vice versa with them. So, mm -hmm. so basically, um, Jane says no, which was my next question. Why does Jane say no? It's because she does not want to be duty bound to him. And I read, I just read a story actually as part of a sermon that I did recently about this couple where the husband was so hard. He had a list of requirements for his wife and when and how to do everything and she kept the list and she was married to him for some very miserable years and then he passed away and then she married a man who loved her who cared for her who cherished her and then she found the list from her first husband and she realized that she was still doing exactly the same thing that the first husband asked her to do but she was doing it out of love and not out of obligation Mm -hmm. And so there's definitely a difference there. I mean, by the same token, I think that 
uh, sometimes we misinterpret what real love is. You know, because I've heard people say, well, I was thinking about marrying this person, but but we were we, we decided we were too good of friends to get married. And I've always thought that was a really weird thing to say <laughs> because I want to marry my best friend someday. Right. right. Yeah. That's, that's my goal. That's usually so, what I've heard husband and wife is. It's, it's your best friends or right. you would hope it would be the, well, that case. And if you build but, it on right. friendship, um, it's going to last a lot longer or it's going to be easier for it to last longer mm-hmm. because even, I mean, even if you don't, aren't madly in love at that particular moment, you still have your friendship to fall back on. Yeah. To think about all the things you've been through. Yeah, C.S. Lewis mentions that, that, you know, there'll be days where you don't like one another, but at least you, or you don't love one another, but you're still friends. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so. like that. So I, I've always thought that that was a very important thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and what leads Jane back to Rochester? Naomi, you want to tell us about that? Ah, oh, a voice. Uh, Rochester calling for her. So the next morning, she's on her way. And then she comes back to him and finds that he has lost his eyesight and one of his hands in a fire. And he was trying to rescue his wife because she, she, his wife, Adam, for and for those who don't know, mm-hmm. his wife is actually <laughs> a little important part in yeah. his in his attic. Okay. He has, he has his wife in the upper story of his house being cared for by a maid because she is insane. Oh. Oh, wow. And so one of the things, and we probably should have talked about this a little bit more, but one of the things is he has her, he's having her well taken care of, but she's under lock and key in the upper story of the house. And there's a couple different times when, he try, when she tries to kill him by burning him in his bed. And when he goes to marry Jane, her brother shows up and says, he's already married. So he can't marry her. The, the oh, wife. Oh, wow. Yeah. The wife's brother. Yeah, the wife's brother shows up and says, this wedding can't take place because he's already married to my sister. Wow. That's, <laughs> it's quite a family. <laughs> and so that, but... that's what drives Jane back to St. John or St. John and, okay. and his family. Is because she's destitute on the street, and they take her in and find the connections. And I understand that was a pretty big oversight on my part. <laughs> so you'll have to read the book. But That's then right. again, yes, read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, we can only cover so much in this podcast. We're getting ready to wrap up. But I hope that if you did read the book, either as part of this book club or at, or um, if you just have read the book in the past, that you'll uh, send us a voicemail through the blog at speakingforhim.blogspot.com or send me an email with some feedback because we will be giving away an Amazon gift card um, very soon, a $25 gift card. I've kind of been sitting on it because we have one entrant in our contest <laughs> and we kind of need more than one yeah. to make it a contest. It'd be a pretty easy contest. So yes. uh, if you want to send us a email or a voicemail for any reason, do that and you will be entered into this contest all right well let's just wrap up um with this one um how does the end of the book show jane's commitment to doing right okay well i'm gonna start and just say well jane um 
tells Rochester that she can't be his mistress. Because that was one of the things that he asked. He said, I know I'm married. I know I can't marry you, but I still want to be with you. And she said that she knew that would be wrong. So she leaves. And then God, uh, and then uh, they're brought back together through this voice, which at first I thought was kind of kooky. But <laughs> I did too. But I think that God works in mysterious ways. And I take it as God bringing them back together. Now, I don't want to over-spiritualize this book and tell you that it's a Christian book and then have everybody writing me hate mail about <laughs> how it's not. But I do think that there are some really good themes of redemption. Um, Jane had to get over her bitterness in order to succeed in life. And I think we can all learn lessons from that. And then, of course, from the ashes of Rochester's life, literally, he and Jane were able to build a future and have um, children together and be blessed. So even though in some ways it's a happily ever after, the road to get there was treacherous. And I, so I think in that respect, it makes it somewhat realistic mm -hmm. um, because we will face trials. But if we trust Christ, he will lead us through each one. And I think that's the biggest lesson that I draw from this book. And I hope that you will read the book and uh, enjoy with us what we've experienced through having read the book. I definitely know I need to read more classic fiction. Uh, maybe we'll do another Bronte Sisters book for our classic next year. Next year. Um, did you have any final thoughts, Naomi, before we wrap up? Um, yes, I love that Jane is in love with Rochester's character um, because he's not described as good-looking in the beginning, she meets um, Sinjins, who is described as Greek, you know, beautiful, good-looking. And that is not what attracts her um, to him at all. You know, she's not attracted to him by that. And I love that when she comes back and she sees Rochester in his, you know, new uh, condition, that she's not turned away by it. She even loves him more. And as, I just as think a matter of fact, I think she even says to him, in the book, that he's ugly, as a matter of fact. Yes, she does. <laughs> and so the fact that she says that he's ugly and yet still falls in love with him means that there's hope for people like me. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that develops. But anyway, <laughs> moving right along, we really appreciate you joining us for this ride um, that is our book club. This was the first ever book club episode, so if you have any feedback on how... We can make it better, smoother, or more enjoyable for you. We would be glad to do that. And our next book up will be The Chance um, by Karen Kingsbury. It is a contemporary fiction title, and you can pick that up at the library or at your local book retailer, both Christian and secular, if you want to join us on our next go-round. And we will also have a copy of the book, um, to give away uh, as a part of our book club. So stay tuned, and I hope you have a great weekend. Find a good book to read, and as always, keep serving the best of masters. Thanks to Naomi for being with us. Thank you for having me.